0: Welcome to another edition of the Nashville Women's Health Podcast. It's your host, Amy Bailey, and I have Anna Kate with me today. Hey, Anna Kate.
1: Hi, Amy. I'm so glad you're joining me. I'm so honored.
0: I think this topic is, it's heavy. It's not an easy topic for a lot of people, but I think it is very important that we get your story out there. We are talking about infertility today, and I think just for people to have some hope and faith in their journey if they're struggling, and just to know they're not alone. So I, like I said earlier to you, I don't have a dog in this fight. I want you to share your heart, share your story. Um, because people really need to hear it.
1: Oh, well, thank you so much. I'm so honored. I've always said that. Um, when I, when this whole journey first began, I didn't really know the purpose of it. Um, I was someone that wanted always wanted a family. I always wanted a big family. (laughs) When we found out that you know, it wasn't going to be easy for us. I just thought, why me? Why is this happening to me? And, you know, now that we're, gosh, five years into it, um, now I know that, like, if all of this was just for me to share my story and to reach someone, I'm like, okay, I'll do it all over again. Um, But That was my purpose. So to start with, I think that you just have to, no matter where you are in your journey, just find the purpose of, you know, it may not be the baby, it may not be, but it will be some purpose that, you know, some reason that you were meant to go through this. Um, So we started, I'll kind of start at the beginning. I married my college sweetheart. We got married in 2015. I don't know why I'm already forgetting these things. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we always knew that we wanted to have kids like pretty early um i had just turned 25 and of course at that time i thought i was like you know super old
0: right <laughs> not looking back i'm like
1: what <laughs> although i did hear a good thing it says that you know, whatever age you are that is the oldest that you've been so that's why you feel like that so at 25 i was like oh yeah like it's it's time you know and he
0: was wise at 25 what
1: yeah. yeah, exactly and truly like I could have already had five babies by then. I mean, that was just my, you know, that was just always my dream. So I always had this weird inkling that it was not gonna be easy. Um, partially, because if we you look back at my history, starting at 15, I never had normal periods. So that's where the problem um, arises. And when you're 15, you're not really thinking particularly
0: about um, reproduction and, you know,
1: <laughs> In later
0: years, at fifteen, um, it's almost a good thing not to have normal periods. Oh my
1: god, it was like seriously amazing. I yeah. mean, I so I, it's uh,
0: biologically not a good thing. Let me clarify. Wait, right, but
1: but it's not a good thing at all. But as a high schooler, it was like awesome. I was like, oh, it was easier. Yes, you're. It it, it we had this conception, this preconception that you know which I could talk about forever where it's like yes the less periods the better like you know let's do the shot that gives you two periods a year or whatever you know and so that was at 15 i'd had like i'd started my period but it was maybe one to two times a year um it definitely was not anything consistent and yeah it was like i didn't even think about it when i go to the doctor they'd ask you know when was I'm, I'm like i don't know 6 months ago like it was easy i never Never had to
0: no doctor never threw up a red flag about that. No,
1: um, the solution was birth control. Okay. So I got put on birth control after having maybe four or five like periods ever in my life. Um I'd also had my thyroid removed when I was fifteen, half of it. So they kind of thought maybe that was, you know, having issues regulating my hormones things like that, they they never took into account the fact that I was very small, I was very athletic, played a lot of sports, was very active, um, ate pretty healthy. So, you know, things like that, that they never really took into account of why I wasn't having a period. They just assumed it was hormones, assumed it was my thyroid, put me on birth control. So from the age of 15 to 25, I was on birth control and I was on many different kinds because what would happen is that one would break my face out and, you know, I didn't never had any acne until I was on birth control. And then, you know, I'm in college and I'm like, I'll do anything to not have this acne. So let's just put you on another birth control. So I just go on another, you know, birth control that had less estrogen or whatever Again, nothing ever came up that like there, you know, was any problem with that. Uh so at 25, I was ready to get off birth control, kind of get that out of my system, and I get off of it and I never have my period never comes back. Um, and about three or four months later, after we got married, I had a cyst rupture. And when they went in to do the ultrasound. They could see the cysts that had ruptured, and my ovaries were just filled with other cysts. There was about 12 to 13 on each side, and um, they immediately diagnosed me with PCOS. Mm -hmm. Um, They did a little bit of blood work, but not, now that I know (laughs) the extensive blood work that can be done, they didn't do extensive blood work. They just diagnosed me with PCOS and said, I wouldn't be able to get pregnant naturally. Um And that my two options, by the way, i gotten two or three opinions. This was not just one that my options were either I could go back on birth control or I could go on medicine to help me ovulate to get pregnant. So it was like I had nothing in between. No, there was no in between options. And of course, I w- wanted to get going back on birth control. Didn't even that seemed like not even remotely the right option. Wow. So I said, "Well, like we want to get pregnant, so let's just start um doing the ovulation medication." And so they started me on Clomid. And um I never responded very well on Clomid. Every once in a while I would get a good follicle, it would be negative that month, we do it again. Um I probably did five or six rounds of Clomid. Um, During this time, I was still, I guess to back up a little bit, I was a personal trainer. So from 15 sports, very active, then I became a personal trainer in college. Um, So working out, dieting was very, um, it wasn't just like a part of my life. It was actually my career. (laughs) Like that was actually what I was doing. So I was always Doing new cleanses and diets and working out and things like that. Um, looking back, I was, you know, what I thought was healthy was not healthy for reproduction. So I felt good about the way I looked, but I didn't realize it was affecting my reproduction. So that, and they also never mentioned it, they never mentioned hey, you're 5'6", and 115, I think you need to put on some weight. Never, they never mentioned anything about that. Um, So, in fact, I had one nurse that gave me a packet of um, a diet to follow for PCOS. And this was while I was still training and dieting and things. And my personality was, if that would get me pregnant, I'll do anything. Right. So for months, I wasn't responding to Clomid and the, uh, you know, the solution was to go on a stricter diet and to restrict all carbs. And so if I, if someone tells me that if you restrict all carbs, you will get pregnant, I'm doing it. I don't care. And there were mornings that I literally didn't know what to eat. I mean, cause it was like everything had carbs in it and I was eating, celery and peanut butter and you know just it was absolutely I was you know you go to hibakshi and I was like never doing the rice or the so not only was I still training and still doing a lot of activity I was now restricting even more than I naturally restrict I already don't do a lot of dairy you know cheese and things like that so at that point i looking back I literally don't know what I ate for like several months, you're probably losing weight during. That. Oh yeah, I was still losing weight. I was still, you know, it was like, and in my mind, for whatever reason, it was like that was what was going to get me pregnant. I knew nothing else, you know. Like you're 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 putting your faith in what these doctors and nurses are telling you to do, you know. And even then, you know, this was now 2016 even though that was only four years ago, the resources and what we know now is just so much more. I I truly at that time didn't know any other resources other than to follow what my doctors were saying. Um, so shockingly, after going low carb, Clomid still didn't work. Um, and she, my OB referred me to Nashville fertility, to a real fertility clinic. And, um, we started with more ovulation induction uh, medication from MERA, just higher doses. And then we started doing an IUI. And that's where they just insert the semen after a positive ovulation from the medication. So it's just like one more kind of check mark just to make sure. Um, during all this time, we've done extensive testing. And the good news is, is that. As far as fertility wise, my husband's good. I'm good. I just don't ovulate. Mm-hmm. And so, in the scheme of fertility issues, it's like, okay, we can fix this. You know, if all you do is just don't ovulate, we can fix the ovulation. Um, again, it was never spoken that I needed to fix it through nutrition, lifestyle changes, lifestyle changes at all. It was never, it was always like, take this medicine and this will, um, so we fortunately got very lucky and we did get pregnant with our, with an IUI. And that was in December or actually it was November of 2016. And then in December we miscarried. And so we just went in for, we had already had a great ultrasound and we went in for a second ultrasound and there was no heartbeat. And you have to, I mean, I'm st- I'm 26. Dylan's twenty six. I mean, looking back, we were so young. Yeah. I mean, we were devastated. I mean, it was like at that point, I had even though I'd been through it, it had now been over a year a fertility treatment, I still didn't think that I would experience a loss like that. Yeah. I was still a little bit um, naive, and I I kind of always wish I could go back to that stage. To be honest, where it's like I just didn't expect that. So. I mean, it just really rocked us um, hard. And after that, we'd been through a year of doing fertility stuff. I said, we're going on to IVF. Um, so that was really a lot of my decision to move on to IVF. Even though we had success with Fermara and an IUI, it was a chromosome, um, it was a trisomy 18. And so I just feared that there was a genetic issue, that there was more going on. There was more to it than just ovulation. So we went through more extensive genetic testing. Everything kept coming back that everything was fine. Um, but I still felt that we just needed to go to IVF. We needed a baby. We. I mean, I just didn't know. This didn't seem to be working. Can you um,
0: clarify, just for listeners who don't understand, the difference between IUI and IVF? Yes.
1: So IUI. So the first stage of any fertility. I mean, almost any. No matter what you're. Not always, but most of the time, the first round of treatment is going to be Clomid or Fimera, and that's just going to induce ovulation. And so, if there's any other issues with sperm, fallopian tubes, um, your uterus, your uterine cavity, uh, blood clotting issues, anything like that, that's not really going to. Help, um, but that's going to be the first round that doctors are going to do. If you haven't been, if you have been trying unprotected for a, you know six months to a year, they're probably going to just do clomid or era first thing. So we did that first. If that doesn't work, then we moved on to era and an IUI. And an IUI is where it's just they insert the semen into your uterus. So it's still your egg is still. Inside of you, hoping to drop. Um, You'll usually do an HCG shot with that to just make sure that egg drops. You go in to the fertility clinic, um, they insert the semen, and um, you'll still do like timed intercourse throughout that as well. So, usually, unless there's a a really low sperm issue. um, And so then IVF is in vitro fertilization. That's where they remove eggs from your uterus. And then they insert the semen into those eggs in a lab and they make an embryo. When they put that embryo back in you, that is the baby. That is, it's got all the cells. It's so with IUI, you're just still working with an egg and a sperm and hoping they Meet up and IUI is just giving you a better chance. It's basically the sperm is basically right at that egg, so it just gives it a better chance to fertilize. Um, with IVF, they are basically manipulating your body to make. I mean, so if you ovulate each month, you're going to ovulate one egg, maybe two eggs. It's how you get pregnant with twins or splits. Um, with Clomid or, or Fermira, you're going to ovulate anywhere between one to three. Eggs um, with IVF, you're looking at. I mean, I would say most women a minimum of 12 eggs, um, and they go it goes all the way up to 20 plus eggs. So it is like your body is on <laughs> massive amounts of hormones to make that many eggs. If you imagine what your body has to do each month to make one egg, um, imagine what your body has to do to make 20. Right. Uh it's a lot, and so then they remove all those eggs, fertilize. um so I just wanted more guarantee, yeah, and i I, I like guarantee, I like science, I like numbers, I like information. so to me, it felt like that that's what it was going to give me. was it just a little bit more I felt like we'd been through everything else, you know, as far as in the medical sense, I didn't know what else we could do um. So we started, I actually started, we had our miscarriage December 12th and I started, I had my first IVF appointment January 4th. So not saying that's the healthiest thing to do, but I was
0: motivated individual for this. I was highly
1: motivated and I I didn't see a point in waiting. I didn't know how waiting was going to make me feel any better. Yeah. Um, So I just kept Going, and I am not saying that that's the right thing to do because, if anything, I think my body needed.
0: Yes, um, some people need time to grieve and decrease yeah. their stress, and so everybody's path is different on this. Yeah,
1: heal physically and emotionally, and you know, I definitely that was my way of grieving was to feel like I was making progress in that, and um, so we went through the whole IBF process. Um, that actually went as well as it can go. I mean, it's very uncomfortable and painful and lots of shots and lots of money and everything else, but that went well. And we did our first transfer. um, And it was a fresh transfer, which just in the matter of time of when we did that in 2017 and now in 2020, they almost never do fresh transfers. It's changed that much in three
0: years. Is there Um, a reason for that?
1: Yeah, your body, so a fresh transfer, so they remove, you do the egg retrieval, and then a fresh transfer, you come back in five days later, and they implant a fresh embryo into back, right back in to your uterus. Your uterus has just been poked and prodded, and there is fluid, and there is swelling, and there is inflammation, and your body is coming off of major hormones. So you're coming off of making 20 eggs to now needing to be pregnant in five days, um, is what your body's trying to do. And we had a, like the most beautiful embryo. I mean, it was like one of those that like the whole lab was like showing each other and sending it. I mean, it was really like, they hadn't seen one because I actually moved clinics and um it was a newer clinic and it was a really great embryo and it didn't i had a chemical pregnancy um which was not my first chemical pregnancy i'd i'd had chemical pregnancies throughout our cycles with clomid um and a chemical pregnancy is basically like just an early miscarriage really um i think the biggest difference is, is that there's probably a lot of women that have had chemical pregnancies and we just know a lot more sooner now we can test sooner so you know, we're able to test so soon that it picks up a pregnancy that's not viable. Um, and normally you would have just thought that you were a few days late for your period. Um, and now we just can, now we just know earlier and, but it's still very traumatic cause you know that it could have been, it could have been a pregnancy. So we went through all of the IVF, the fresh transfer. It was almost like a guaranteed pregnancy with our history and it was a chemical Pregnancy and that, I mean, that was in March. Um, so that that was a that was really really hard, um, as well to go through that, you know, just a couple months after our miscarriage. And so, you know, me, I gave my body about a two week breast and then I started back. Uh-huh. And uh, we have our miracle daughter, Presley, who was conceived through IVF that next month, it was in, it was in May. So it was about, it was about a two month. um, But it wasn't, that wasn't because I wanted it to be two months. It was because that's how long it took uh, my body to get ready for another transfer. Um, It was a really long process of my uterine lining needing to be thick enough. And that's, you know, just one aspect of IVF that, You just really had no idea, you know, if if you're just trying to conceive naturally, you really don't know about your uterine lining and your estrogen and your progesterone and your LH and all of these hormones that you just really don't, um, you're not even really thinking about. And with IVF, not only are you thinking about them, but you're literally fixated on, you know, what your lining is, what your estrogen is, what your progesterone is, everything just in order to hope that it you know works so for two it almost took two months to get my lining thick enough to do um transfer which what that means is that it's just a lot of added hormones so i was on shots i was on suppositories i was on patches um it was they basically pulled out everything that they could think of again the one thing they never talked about was lifestyle they never said anything about, you know, what could be sorry, causing the I'm
2: trying
0: to move away from
1: the
2: dog, so I'm sorry.
1: Oh, no, that's it's
0: life. I'm surprised I <sighs> don't have the They didn't running. mention any lifestyle, but in the midst of this, you're stressed.
1: You're stressed. You know, I'm still hyper-focused on what I'm eating and, um, you know, doing a lot of gluten-free and dairy-free and a lot of anti-inflammatory type of you know, restrictions, and yeah, it was a lot you know I mean at this point, you will literally do anything if if, if they tell you to eat this, don't do that you know you will do anything and so I had put a lot of that pressure on myself, and yeah, they really never talk a lot about lifestyle or supplements or anything to really help um, from the inside out. you know, it's kind of like their job is. To do the medication and that's what they know that's you know they they know how to manipulate your hormones and your body in that way and uh i didn't put enough education into the other side of it so yes i presley is our miracle because i still to this day don't know how my body was able to get pregnant to be honest even with all that medication and stuff Um, it's really, truly a miracle looking back. And, uh, so we were lucky. I mean, really in the big scheme of infertility, that's a very, you know, a year and a half. That's, you know, it was a year and a half of every day of me. I mean, at this point i had quit my job training. I mean, I had completely 100% um, dedicated myself to getting pregnant. That was all that I, I was really focused on and uh went through with a like i had a great pregnancy um had a great labor so i was so lucky so blessed and it was the best year of my life because i didn't have to go to appointments and worry about fertility stuff and i always had in the back of my head that i'm i want more kids and that i'm gonna have to go through it again i always knew that i really did but it was like just so nice for like a year, a year and a half to just kind of like not have to think about that. And when Presley turned one, they told me that I could, uh, come back for more transfers. We still had five embryos left. So, um, the day after Presley turned one, I was back in their office and, you know, I, I stopped breastfeeding her right at her one year birthday and I was back in IVF a week later. So basically, I mean, I I can't even really fathom like since Dylan and I have been married. Um, so I'm 30 now. So for five years I have basically been doing IVF. I've been pregnant or I've been breastfeeding. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's really like when I think about what I've actually done in five years, it's like, what have you done in five years? I'm like, Oh, like literally, those three things is is, is what I have um, done, and I wouldn't change it. I really love it. I think it's amazing. I think it's all absolutely amazing. Um, so, but I went right back into IVF uh, after breastfeeding again. I was, I was, I probably weighed less after breastfeeding than I did when I was training. I mean, it was just, it was really took a lot out of me physically that I didn't realize. And again, nothing was ever mentioned about that. They did say to me, like, I think you'd benefit from, you know, gaining some weight and um, I think you'd have more success. And so I was like, okay, like, I'll, you know, work on that. And two failed transfers later. So we've had Presley. We, you know, I, I think my expectations were, you know, moderately high considering that I, before Presley, I didn't know if I could carry a pregnancy. Because i would had a miscarriage. we would had multiple chemical pregnancies. So I'm dealing with the unknowns of, can I even get pregnant? Can this even be possible? So once I got pregnant with Presley, I thought, well, well, this is actually possible. This works. IVF works. This all works. My body works. Um, so in some ways, those transfers were like just as hard as the first one. Because it was just like, no, this is supposed to, this is supposed to work. Um, and in the meantime, I had just kind of met some people had kind of entered my life that, uh, had kind of led me to a functional medicine doctor, Dr. Melissa, which is how I've met you, Amy. And I just had this tug that I needed to really figure out what was going on with my body. I didn't want to go through more IVF without really knowing, um, what was going on. And so I decided it was after our, the second transfer in 2018 that, no, it was 2019. In 2019, I decided, you know what? I got to take a break. I got to figure out, I want to figure out what's really going on. And thank God for Dr. Melissa and you and National Brain and Body. And she just really dug deep and, um, really wanted to know about everything. I mean I'm talking she wanted to know basically since the day I was born truly. She wanted to know were you born vaginally, C-section, were you breastfed, were you, you know, literally anything. There's the dog.
0: Sorry. I tried to move the like, oh no. closet and...
1: Hey, I can talk through a dog barking.
0: <laughs> I love it. You so, girl. This is this is great.
1: So you don't need to worry about it. So Dr. Melissa wanted to know everything that I have, my body's ever been through. When did you start your period? How, you know, everything. I mean, literally by the end of it, she knew more about me than anyone else in my whole life has ever known about me. I mean, she like, and what I realized was that that's really what I needed all along Mm -hmm. was a deep dive into my health. Um, I had no idea that at 15 what my body was going through would actually, you know, follow what my body was going through with infertility. I had no idea. I didn't think what I did at 15 would ever affect, um, what I was doing later on. And, um, so she did a lot of blood work and basically her diagnosis is your body needs food. Your body needs rest and you need to learn to breathe and relax and you know, and do things that you almost don't wanna hear. You know, you're really, it's kind of that like, uh, really that's like, that's all, but it's a lot. It's really a lot when you think about
0: it. It's not the quick fix. It is hard.
1: It's not, it's not the quick, like to me, my personality was more give me the shots. Give me the, I was very, you know, it's like I have a high pain tolerance. I don't have any fear of needles. I was like, give it to me. I'll do it. I'll do whatever. So when I'm told that what I need to do is eat more, work out less, and sleep more, I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) You're a humor. Yeah, like that sounds like my worst nightmare. Like, I mean, it was it literally really did. Uh, And so, uh, and I had already been starting to kind of change some things in in my life, but from that point, I mean, I, I mean, I really changed everything from. What I was eating to the water we were drinking, um, I really I had always read a ton of fertility books. It's like I'm obsessed with them. I buy them all, I read them all I love it and but I was seeing that a lot of the books I was geared towards was not necessarily natural fertility it was like more ivF centered and so I started really diving into some more natural fertility books and um, taking the supplements, acupuncture, chiropractic, which I had done all of this before. Um, I will say whenever I was doing IVF, I was also always doing um, several different Chinese medicine practices. I was never just doing IVF, but I took a total break from IVF for about four months um, and gained, I don't know, probably close to 10 pounds. I was just, you know, I wasn't restricting uh, really, any of my food, which was probably the first time in ten years, you know,
0: something like that, that I had really not done that. Um, but you were eating uh, healthy, and you were paying attention, yeah. not putting yeah. junk in your body. But yeah, I, things.
1: Yes, that was you know, I I'm not, I still am not like a junk food. It was like I was just eating, you know, instead of half a piece of toast about with avocado, I was eating two pieces like a full sandwich with avocado, you know, instead of eating half of an avocado, I was putting a whole avocado, um, cooking with just higher fats, um, ghee butter and things like that. That before it was like, Oh, off limits. Like, you know, I'm not going to cook with butter, you know, things like that. So I was just really adding, I was really focusing on fats, um, from nuts, from nut butters and, um, things like that, that were, you know, kind of easy to kind of add that fat back into your diet. And after about four or five months, I felt great. That great feeling led me to feeling like I needed to go back to IVF, though, that I felt like my body's still not ready to do this on its own. But I think my body's ready to do this with IVF now. And part of the reason was that we still had three embryos left. So we had seven embryos to begin with. So we've now lost four and we have one daughter. Um, Anyone that's done IVF, all of those embryos, it's devastating to lose, um, to lose that many. It's just like you, all of those embryos can be a Presley, can be, you know, a daughter, can be a son, you know. So it's really, really hard when you look at like, oh, my God, I've lost four embryos, but I still had, or I'd lost, yeah, I'd lost uh, three embryos at that point. But we still had three left. And I just couldn't leave them there. It just felt like my heart was, I really had these real strong feelings of like, this is what I need to do. So we start back. Um, I felt much better physically. I would gained weight um, in a healthy way. And I was sleeping more and I wasn't constipated. Thanks, Dr. Melissa. Thanks, Amy. Yes. Um, I was working with Brittany as well, doing Mercier therapy. I mean, I was doing everything. And I felt like okay, the combination of this and the combination of IVF, this is going to work. Um and so we started doing another transfer in January. Uh prepped for that. And that transfer failed in February. And that it's like I don't even know which one's the hardest one. It's like they're all hard in different ways because I was in different journeys. Yeah. And but let me tell you, my body did not feel good. It didn't taking that break from the medicines. I really felt so good. And then when I got back on them, it was like, Oh my gosh, like it just knocked me out. And so that was really hard. And I truly did not know at this point. So our story gets really interesting at this point. uh, My fertility doctor was wanting to pull out all all the stops and partially he wanted to do that because I wanted it. Mm -hmm. Um, He knew how bad I wanted this. He, he knows my drive. He knows, and he didn't know why we had now lost four embryos. I I don't, every test we do, I seem perfectly healthy. I've carried a pregnancy, Dylan's healthy. And we just really were kind of dumbfounded. You know, it was one of those things where it's like, when the nurse calls and the doctor calls and says it didn't work they're truly shocked they really don't know why so at this point he was wanting to do full-on um a scope to see if i had endometriosis even though i don't have any symptoms of that that's something that is causing lots of fertility issues even with women that don't have symptoms and Oh, I mean, it was everything. I mean, it was, we were, we were taking out, we were in the process of taking out a loan for over $30,000 to redo, um, testing to do another retrieval. And we still had two embryos left, but now we're at our bottom two. I mean, that's the reality of, you know, those, those last two, If, if these other four haven't worked, uh, those last two can work for sure. But your, your hopes are dwindling, dwindling a little bit with the quality that they were compared to what we had been transferring and then COVID. Hmm. So we were literally smack dab in the middle of doing more testing and everything got canceled. And at that point it was only being canceled for, you know, two weeks, a month. But I just had this pool of like, you know what, this is my sign. I need a break. I'm not hundred percent sold that I need to go through all of this testing. I want a baby so bad. I'll do anything, but I don't know if this is what I need to do. Um, and so I really just took a little break and reached back out to Dr. Melissa. We set up a plan. Um, and three weeks later I was pregnant. Naturally, naturally. And, you know, it's, it's something that it's, I, I want to say, you know, you hear these stories of like, when you're not trying is when it happens, mm-hmm. but I don't want to give hope of that. You don't have to try for it to happen. Cause I was trying really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so when IVF was canceled, I didn't stop. That, that, that was not, I did not get pregnant because IVF was canceled and I just stopped doing everything. Right. Um, so that's something that it's like, I, you know, I almost want to like stand up for myself and be like, no, I was trying really, really, really hard. Like I was, I mean, at any time between IVF, I was always trying naturally because we've never been told that we couldn't get pregnant naturally ever. It was just like, it's going to be hard. It's going to be unlikely. So I was all, I mean, you name it, I have it. I've got the Ava bracelet. Uh, I, I mean, I've got the whole thing. I've got the apps, supplements, acupuncture, chiropractic, lymph massage, infrared saunas, celery juice, the whole, I, I have done it all. And so uh, to me, it's like, it's this wasn't just like a complete, like, what? No way. No, I was like, really, I was still tracking, you know, my my cycle, you can't really track some days I ovulate, it's like day 85. I mean, it's not really a trackable cycle, but from what I can track, I was tracking. I was, you know, doing all of my meditations and my exercises and I was eating right. I was taking my supplements. I certainly was getting more rest. You know, that beginning of COVID, looking back, I kind of missed those first two weeks of where I thought they were just going to be a couple weeks. And so we just rested and we just kind of hunkered down and yeah. Yeah. And uh, so this was not so surprised that like it, we had no idea, Mm -hmm. you know, I was trying, I was tracking, I was doing ovulation strips every day. I was checking my cervical mucus. I was doing the whole thing. And um, so I was just hoping that sometime during COVID I would ovulate, but still, You know, I have ovulated before and I still haven't gotten pregnant, you know. So that part is definitely a surprise, you know, that it actually worked. And so Easter Sunday, 2020, Mm -hmm. I hadn't, I was, I had my app and my temperature was still high. And it had been like, if I really did ovulate, it had been a long time that my temperature had been high. It had been well into two weeks. So I just thought, well, like. You know, I've got all the, I've got so many cheapy tests. I've got all I've got them all. You know, I've got any ovulation test, pregnancy test. Um, I've taken thousands of pregnancy tests truly over the years, and so I just took one of the cheapy like internet ones, and it was so faint that no one would be able to know except for me, who's seen you know nothing so many times, and so I woke Dylan up and. Um, we just kind of, we, you know, it was, it was all during COVID. So we just kind of stayed home and, you know, clearly didn't really feel very real, but I think it's definitely a day that we'll remember, um, forever. And then I got to tell my parents and I, they were out of toilet paper. So I had to bring them, you know, cause it's COVID. Right. So everyone's out of toilet paper. Right. And so I had a really special role. So I took it over there and they were like, oh, thank goodness. We need toilet paper. I said, well, you're really going to need it because you're about to shit yourself. (laughs) We we did make it a little COVID fun. Yes. And, you know, they were like, what? And, you know, and I tell them, and of course, they're all so excited. And, um, you know, a whole nother part of this is pregnancy after infertility. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, which is just as hard as infertility. And that's something that doesn't get talked about as as much because it, it can be, you know, infertility is very isolating, especially when I was going through it in the beginning. I didn't know anyone. I mean, I was 25 and, I mean, none of my friends were, e- like, even close or I had friends that just could get pregnant without even doing anything basically. Um, so I had no one that had been through any of this at all. Um, even no one in my family, really. I mean, my family's very fertile. So like, they're like, what, Mm -hmm. like, how does this happen? You know? And so it was really, really, really isolating for a long time. And it took me until after having Presley to actually share our story. So when I was in the middle of it, I wasn't sharing. I mean, some of our friends knew some of our friends knew, of course, that we had had a miscarriage and things like that. But um, it took me well into Presley being, I don't know, probably six months old before I was able to, to share our story. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting of like the, the, the fear of sharing and like the embarrassment of it. Um, And I don't, I don't know why I didn't share before, you know, part of it is that it's just really, it's just a sensitive, it's so personal. It's literally the most personal thing you can almost think of. And so that was part of it. And, but yeah, the other part is that you're just kind of like, if you share it, you feel like something's wrong with you. And, you know, something just kind of clicked on me that if someone were to come on to my Instagram. And we're to see Dylan and I got married a couple years later. We had Presley. They would have no idea what went on between those two years. And so I really felt a calling to say, this is not, I was really saying, wow, my Instagram is part of the problem. You know, like I'm not helping this by just sharing these highlights of our life. And no one knows this could be breaking someone's heart because they want this and they don't know what it took, you know, really for me to get here. And so sharing it was really hard. And it was also the best thing that I've ever done because it's like, oh, good. Okay, I can take that weight off of feeling like I need to hide it, of feeling like, you know, is something that you need to, to hide. And, you know, I'm still, I feel much more connected to the infertility community than I do to the natural pregnancy community. Mm -hmm. So that's actually what's been hard about this pregnancy is that, like, my heart is still with, you know, all my infertility sisters and everyone trying. That's really still where my heart is. Um, And part of it, because when you think of in the big scheme of things of the times that I've been pregnant and the times that I haven't been, it's been a lot more that I haven't been. Right. So I, I have more connection to that side of it. And, you know, I'm still trying to balance, you know, pregnancy after infertility, whether natural or not. It's like, if anything, this was really hard. Cause when I found out I was pregnant, I didn't even know who to call. I called Melissa at natural brain and body. That's who I called. That was the first person I called. I didn't know. Do I call my fertility clinic? Do I call my OB? Like who, I don't even know what to do. Like what do people do? You know, like what I don't know, you know, with IVF, it's like you have scheduled times. You come in for blood work for positive pregnancy tests and ultrasounds. And I did not. So, you know, I didn't know who to call. It, that was really stressful. And then on top of it, it was like, now I'm being treated like a normal person. I'm like, no, I'm not normal. This is not normal. None of this is normal. Like, you need to see me today. And they're like, you're fucked your HGG looks great. It's doubling, you know, your progesterone's low. That was another thing. You know, my progesterone was low and had to be put on suppositories for that. And so I'm freaking out. They're like, no, you're fine. You know, we'll see you in two months. I'm like two months. Like, so it, and I'm still in that We're now, you know, I'm, uh, thankfully I've made it to 16 weeks and now I don't go back to like 20, like a month, a month. Like I haven't been a month without seeing a doctor my whole life. And so, you know, it's, it's a very different experience, you know, even once you're pregnant, it's still, you're really used to being monitored and um, so it can cause a lot of anxiety and thank God for my team of women like you and Dr. Melissa and Brendan, who are, you know, kind of constant sources of uh, calming and breathing and, you know, everything's okay. Cause otherwise I'd just be like a mess all the time, as opposed to like 50% of the time. And yeah. So that's kind of our long elaborate story of basically I've done it all. I've gotten pregnant through IVF. It works. I've gotten pregnant naturally. It works. <laughs> um, and so I feel just beyond like lucky, that's, you know, that's part of the guilt is that I feel like how, you know, I I have said many times to so many of my friends, like, I, I only wanted this for myself, if they could have it too. Um And so that's been really hard of, I truly, um when I would have friends, especially in the infertility community that would get pregnant, I truly was so happy for them. Yeah. Like, in some ways, it's easier to be happy for them than for yourself. Uh, Because you don't live with the fear of loss, of losing this pregnancy. And so it was almost easier for me to be happy when, you know, I would have a friend text me that it worked. I mean, really, truly, I would be like so happy. And so it's been hard for me to be happy for myself when there's still so many of my friends that, you know, want this. And so many people I've met in the community that want this um, for themselves, but I truly, truly hope that my story is not a story of discouragement for them, but of encouragement and that it really can work. Um, and it really does. And, you know, you, you've been such a support, but I would say, you know, I've heard many a women on your podcast say this, you just have to advocate for yourself. Yeah. It, 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 no matter what it is, You just, you have to do the research. Um, That was my biggest, uh, I wouldn't say, you know, I don't regret anything, but in the beginning I was 25.
0: Well, you don't know what you don't know.
1: You don't, completely. I I didn't know anything, you know, and and so the, that was part of the reason I wanted to share my story is that infertility is really, really tricky because I could tell you everything I have done and supplements I've taken and what's worked for me and what hasn't, but it really, what makes infertility really, really tricky is it is so different for everyone. And, um, that's why I never blame the doctors or the nurses. It's like, they're truly doing their best. Um, we're all so different. Our bodies are all respond so differently to medicines, to supplements even to acupuncture, different things like that, that worked for me, you know, maybe doesn't work for someone else. And so, you know, that's what's really hard is that, yes, I've got a whole host of books that I think are wonderful. Um, and you know, some of them work for others and some of them don't. And that's what can be discouraging is finding what works for you and kind of finding your team. Um, and it's a hard balance between, you know, the functional medicine that I do at National Brain and Body and that I do with you and um, with Dr. Melissa. And it's hard to balance that with your medical doctors. Um, And so it's important to find a medical staff and team that is as supportive of what you're doing with your functional medicine. And to me, if more of them were, you know, kind of in joint – during this process then i think we have more success uh, by far cuz not cuz not everyone you know doing it all natural does not work for everyone and doing it all ivf does not work for everyone and if we can find a way to really incorporate those two then you know that's kind of that's what worked for me was finding a way to incorporate where i didn't have to pick and choose which one yes but i could do both
0: You know, I think you're just being so real and so raw. And thank Mm -hmm. you so much for sharing this story. I know it's not easy. You've been through a lot.
1: Um, Well, it's therapeutic sometimes too.
0: And I think it's therapeutic for other people to hear the realness Mm -hmm. and what you've been through. Um, And I think, you know, you've said so many things like you're involved in an infertility community. I think people need that. A support group, a community, people who aren't just your regular friends, but you know, your friends and family who may not have been through this journey, but to have people who understand your emotions that she can be real with.
1: Yeah. I mean, that was really part of me sharing my story was I'd never realized how much of a blessing it was. Cause then I was able to connect with
2: people.
1: Um, yeah. I think really finding a community or it literally it's like, this is what I always say. My biggest hope for Presley when she goes to kindergarten is to have one friend to sit with at lunch. Mm. And it's like, kind of like that with fertility. Like you just need like one friend to sit with, oh wow. you know? And so it's kind of like, that's really, that's a starting point. If if you can, I didn't have one for, I mean, really I never had one through the first, through the first IVF at all. I didn't know anyone. Um, no one really knew as much that I, that I was going through it. Um, um, so I had a bunch of support from my family, but as far as like knowing anyone that had been through this um, other than like my mom's friends and, you know, people like in the, you know, years past had have been through it, but no one that was in the trenches at that moment. And the best thing I did was I did reach out to a therapist. Oh, well she's been on your readiness. Oh, yay. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, of course. So I, of course she's been on your.
0: So Uh, I'm doing my best over here. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm a, it's amazing. I mean, really, just come to your podcast, and you'll basically get every little thing that I've ever done in life. You know, what?
0: that's my hope, and that's why I do this—to help women in Nashville. Yeah, it, it I really to help people in the whole world that I'm starting small with Nashville. It, it really is amazing. So, you know, I went to a therapist
1: because I didn't have anyone to to really talk to about it, and that really helped. Especially until I was able to share our story and meet people. And, um, so that, yes, I think that's the best thing. Even if you don't want to share your story, reach out and, um, you know, you, you will be surprised at what just one friend at the lunch table going through infertility can, can do, uh, for you. And if I, I truly believe if I wouldn't have shared our story, I don't think I'd be where I am right now. Cause by doing that, I did get a lot of really good advice from people. And sometimes you have to hear that. And by me sharing our story, it kind of, you know, made other people aware. And they were like, hey, I go to this doctor, and you know, that's how I found out about National Brain and Body.
2: Yeah.
1: And if I would have never shared our story, then that person would have never known to tell me to go do that, you know? And so there's a fine line between protecting your heart and also sharing and accepting some, you know, advice and second opinions and third opinions and fourth opinions. And that's really what it took for me to, to say, you know what, what I'm doing is not working. Yeah. So uh, I will take all the advice I can and hopefully something hits and, and it did. And so, you know, definitely, don't hide your story, you know, doesn't mean you have to go out on social media and share. But I think just telling someone, um, you don't know what that could do for that person, what it could do for you. And, you know, it's not, it's not anything to be ashamed of. If anything, now I'm like, this to be proud of, like, man, like, that's a lot to do. You know, that's a lot to put on your body and you know, Dylan and I as a couple have made a lot of sacrifices for our life because our biggest goal is to have a family and nothing else matters if if we didn't have that. Um so, you know, that that has been a great learning experience too as a as a couple that, you know, I don't think we would have ever I don't think we'd ever be where we are, but it's a lot at twenty five to look looking back, I mean we were getting married young and we didn't even feel like it. So going through infertility at that age, you know, we just did it. We just pulled up our pants and went to the doctor every day.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it's created a stronger bond between you two.
1: Yeah. I I mean the, I mean the appointments that we had after being married for four months and the decisions that we were making, um, there's no, you know, thankfully we'd been together all through college. So it wasn't, But still, that was like a bit, not how we imagined our first year of marriage was, you know, a bunch of doctor's appointments and decisions about um, having kids and things like that. So, yeah, my, I mean, I would say my biggest piece of advice, if I could go back to when I was 25 and got diagnosed with PCOS, is I would have dug deeper. Yeah. Um, Because we still don't know if that's really the right diagnosis. Yeah, like really, to this day, and it probably wasn't, and uh, but probably wasn't because the things that they were doing to treat it weren't working. So that's kind of a sign that that's maybe not what it what it is. And I think my issue was probably with um, just needing to eat more and rest more. And not everyone wants
0: to hear that, and not everyone wants to do it. <laughs> right, your body needed more support. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And that's not everybody's problem. But no. If- big chunk of a lot of people's problem. And not just in relation to infertility, but so many other health concerns. So,
1: so many other, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, I was having things from headaches to constipation to all kinds of things that I, that I had no idea were even remotely, um, uh,
0: related to that. Yeah. And, and you, you've said it time and time again, just being your own advocate, questioning things, digging a little deeper and, Like I said, we don't know what we don't know. So that's really hard to do if you don't know, but reaching out to that one person at the lunch table can help decipher that for people. I think.
1: Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And you know, I, yeah, just, I think it's kind of interesting how we, you know, when we buy a house, we look at like how many houses we look at. I mean, some people look at, yeah, like 10 houses, You know, we buy a car and we test drive four cars and, you know, we go to five dealerships and all this stuff. And then it's like, we, with our health, we go to one doctor and we say, okay, that's what it is. And, you know, so it's partially just changing. It's also not a dig to any doctor or medical. I think they're all great in their own ways. It's just like, sometimes they don't have time to dig deeper Mm -hmm. and, you know, you have to put that on yourself and uh it's okay to get you know I think like I didn't want to offend a doctor by getting a second opinion.
2: Yeah.
1: And you know you just really have to it's like well we offend then we're offending a lot of real estate agents by going to another house. Like so you know you you really have to get I think I at that age should have gotten more opinions, should have just dug a little deeper. And so that's kind of uh would be my, would be my biggest takeaway is to advocate, dig a little deeper and um, definitely know that there's a purpose in whatever part of this journey you're on, there truly is a purpose. And I know when you're in the middle of it, you don't want to hear it. Um, Cause I, I know I didn't, I'm like, there is no purpose to this. This is stupid. You know, this isn't fair. And so, but now that I'm on the other side of it, I can truly say there really is a purpose for every tear and every appointment and every bad news. It's not fair, but you know, there is a reason and, um, that reason will come, come to light at the right time.
0: I love that. It's just such a beautiful story. It's a hard story, but it's your story and it's special. It is. If people want to follow your journey on Instagram, what's your Instagram? My
1: profile? Instagram is Anna Kate Craig, just at Anna Kate Craig. And then I also have a blog, AnnaKateCraig.com. And I haven't, I am going to update everything with my pregnancy. Um, it's kind of that fine line of like, again, my heart's still really in the infertility community. And so I want to be sensitive yes. to that through my pregnancy. Um, but I also, Really want to share a few things that um, I do think helped. You know, there's not there's not a magic pill, there's not a magic supplement, there's not a magic there's not, nothing of it is magic. Um, but there are some things that I found to be helpful, and so I want to share those. Yes. And so I'm just kind of finding the right the right way to share my pregnancy journey and still be sensitive to the infertility, um, community. So right now I haven't shared a ton about this pregnancy, but there's lots of stuff about
0: infertility. That's really my wheelhouse. (laughs) Yes, it is. And I love this for being so cautious and careful to respect other people's feelings on this.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: I wanted to give a shout out to a couple of people that you mentioned um, Dr. Melissa with Nashville brain and body for anybody who doesn't know who she is. She's phenomenal in our community and I'm hoping to have her on the podcast very soon. We've actually been talking about it for, Oh, probably 10 months. And I oh yeah. Well, I yep. mean, you guys aren't busy or anything. We're so. not busy. No. <laughs> um, and then also Brittany Anderson, you mentioned her Brittany is a women's health nurse practitioner in the community. She also has office space at Nashville brain and body. She has been on the podcast uh, but she's also the region, regional director of BirthFit. She does Mercier therapy. She does everything. She's co-owner of Practices Strength. I um, love her. She's phenomenal. Also, gr- two great resources in our community. Um, and then you mentioned Empty Nest Counseling Services. They
1: Family Party.
0: Oh my gosh, Emily party and they have a, a lots of therapists there but they do a uh, grief support groups, um, pregnancy loss groups. They do not just one-on-one counseling but several groups also. They have a
1: lot on Zoom right now cuz of COVID. They have a lot of loss groups on yes.
0: Zoom. Yeah. So, they yeah.
1: yeah, my I mean that's really my my group of women right now that I have that it's, you know, the tribe is unbelievable. Yeah. From you to Melissa, to Brittany, to Emily, I mean, it's really, um, super special. And so to me, again, if all of this just led me to the three of you, because yeah. this is a lifelong, I mean, Lord, I think I'm going to be with you forever. Thanks to my pelvic floor. So I, this is, <laughs> um, I will be, I will be, that can be a whole nother podcast.
0: Selfish reasons. We'll go into a wellness journey instead. Yeah, of- that will be a whole nother podcast, but
1: yeah. it, it really, if, if all of this, you know, this is, a lot of the, you know, the other thing, I know we have to go, but the other thing is that a lot of my issues that were causing infertility are issues that can cause lots of other health
2: men yes.
1: in, in the future. So to me, I realized it wasn't just about being pregnant and getting pregnant, that I needed to figure out what was going on for the future. Um, and so I think I'm going to be with the four of you forever.
0: Well, we all love you and nobody wants to get rid of you. I'm sure we just want to see you get healthier and to be able to, you know, support other people, which is what you're trying to do. And that's, that's why I wanted to share you with the world or at least the national world. Uh, One thing you said, and I'm totally plugging my pain support group here, but you said finding that one friend to sit with at the lunch table. And when you said that, it just reminded me of my pelvic pain support group, because that's why I started it. I had Erin on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and she didn't have a friend to sit with her at the pelvic pain table. And so she,
1: was that the endometriosis?
0: Yes. 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 That was so I started with her, um, a pelvic pain support group to give her that community too. And because that's a passion of mine is treating pelvic pain. Um, but th- I love the way you said that just a friend to sit with at the table. Yeah.
1: yeah. Pelvic. I mean that, I mean, really we could go on and on about this, uh, whether it's from all my treatments or my pregnancy or anything like that. Uh, getting pregnant is just one step. Now I'm dealing with a whole other host of issues and pelvic floor um, pain is is the big one right now. And so, yes, you just got to fight. You, again, you just got to advocate for yourself. I'm so glad I found you for that issue because, again, um, no matter what part you are in infertility, once you're pregnant, you've still got to do a lot for your body. That's yeah. just one. That's just one part of it. Yeah, yes. So I'm very thankful for all the advocacy that you do.
0: Well, thank you. There are little pelvic floors that need a lot of help. (laughs) There is no shame in needing help Uh, for the pelvic floor. It is very common. um, One in, you know, it's like one fourth of women will have pelvic floor dysfunction within their lifetime. And that's a pretty big chunk. That's a quarter of us. So, yes. Yeah, not to plug me. That's not my intent here. My point was just like, it's not bad to be a part of a community group or a support group, no matter what issue you are, whether you're, you know, substance abuse, whether you have pelvic pain, whether you have infertility, it's so important to find people who understand your struggle that you can be real and raw with. And get advice from too, or recommendations.
1: Exactly. You just don't know what you're going to learn from someone else there that might trigger. Oh my gosh, that's, you know, that would be great. Yeah. I mean, that's really how, again, it's like, that's, when I look at how this all happened, if I shared my story, someone shared with me, you should go see Dr. Melissa at National Brain and Body. Then it was, you should go to Brittany for Mercier therapy. Then Brittany was like, you need to go see Amy for pelvic floor. I'm like, yes, I will. And that's literally how, how it works. And so just by me sharing my story, it opened up the door to like my ultimate health tribe Mm -hmm. that I'm going to have forever.
0: So, yeah. And if you find good providers, they'll recommend other good providers. And that's important. That's exactly and some right. providers are great, but they may not be the provider for you. And that's okay too. And, and Dr. Candace at, yes. so uh, she's um, at National um,
1: Body, yeah, I'm about to go there right now for some, <laughs> chiropr- I'm literally heading there for some chiropractic. Yay. So yeah, got to do it all. <laughs>
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, y'all. Please go check out her Instagram at Anna Kate Craig. and I will put that in the show notes. And um, I apologize for the dog barking. I'm at home uh, waiting on my COVID test to see. I mean, just crazy. I've been just waiting now. seven days, Nashville. So for those of y'all who have been tested and are waiting, I'm asymptomatic but was exposed. So.
1: But I did. Yeah, but this is probably this is probably not true, but I did hear that some people that have to wait longer, it means it's negative and they just aren't reaching out. As well.
2: ah, meanwhile, here I am stuck in the closet, <laughs> but,
0: but let me know.
2: Of course. I'll let we'll everybody just,
0: know. We'll, we'll just keep zooming. Right. Right. But I do apologize for the dogs. Sometimes when you're stuck at home, real life happens and dogs bark. But anyway, again, thank you from the bottom of my heart for sharing your story. It means the world to me and the Nashville community. And I hope we have helped at least one person by sharing this. Yeah
1: reach out, share your story.
0: Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone for listening. Again, I hope this was beneficial and reach out if y'all have questions. I love to hear from you guys. Thanks again. Have a great week.